I guess because I'm doing announcements this morning, I can announce whatever I want. Sure. So I can announce about the ETF. They want it. First time that's happened for 15 years. So that. Yeah, hope, hope feels worth it. Sometimes the time goes the opposite direction. That's right. <laughs> All right, welcome, everybody. Welcome to Ukraine Baptist Church. We're getting started. Um, welcome back, Phil and Pam. They got a wonderful trip. Phil's wearing a Palace Book shirt. Makes my heart happy. Yeah, didn't buy a single book. <laughs> but bought a shirt. And you misunderstood what that shop's about. Um, <laughs> but welcome. Uh, a few announcements. As soon as I remember what they are, I will tell them to you. Uh, disaster relief. So Florida is in rough shape. If anybody would want to volunteer for uh, disaster relief in Florida, it, you don't need to have official training. That always helps. AJ's going to volunteer. AJ, you're welcome. I will send you to Florida at any time. Um, but you are welcome to talk to me about ways to get involved. So they need, they just need people right now. So uh, they're doing cooking, they're doing mud out, chainsaw. It doesn't matter what you're able to do or what you want to do, uh, we can use you. All right. So feel free to um, to check in with us on that. Beyond that, fall meeting was wonderful. Thanks to everyone who joined us there. Um, and if you want to talk to me more about what Matt Anderson presented, you are welcome to do that. Uh, stay tuned for Nova Spring meeting next year. Um, Tuesday night this 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 week is. I know we had to cancel it last week uh, per Annalise's request. Uh, this week is also we are the Bryans are not going to be able to be involved. So. Again, that does not mean you cannot get together. It just means that we will not be there and you cannot be in our house. Um, that would be weird. <laughs> um, and then always remember, if you want to check in with the small group on Wednesday night, that's Wednesday night at 6 o'clock um, this week, and we are doing that this week. Um, anything else that we're praying for or want to bring the whole church in on? There's tons of stuff, but... Let me pray for us and we'll get started. <clears throat> Dear Father, Father God, what a wonderful thing that we can come to you as our Father. God, that we can interrupt you. Lord, um, that we can knock on your door and metaphorically wake you up. God, because you want to be found. Lord, I pray that we would find you this morning. God, that no matter how we ask or what way we come to you this morning, Lord, that you would be found. God, that you would be in and around our lives, each of us, uh, God, to change us this morning in ways that we need to be changed. If you are a sculptor, please make us and remake us as you see fit. God, I pray that you be in and through all the ways that we find to worship you this morning. God, all of our work this morning as the people, as your people. Um, God, and that you be as here this morning. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. So we know you words. Amen. Amen. Um, accidentally preaching from the lectionary this morning. Our readings uh, this morning, you'll hear, you'll hear all my thoughts about them. Uh, in the sermon, so let's launch right into uh, the readings as we go. Good morning. 
Please hear these prayers of confession and assurance, um, and then we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. Persistent God, your love has wrestled us out of the grip of death, out of the chains of sin, out of the jaws of despair, out of the poisonous illusion of our own self-righteousness. But we mistake our lack of faith for your lack of care, our impatience for your injustice forgetting how you have fought for us and how you fight for us still. Forgive us, Lord. Help us remember as we cling to you in struggles, in anger, and tears, that you too are holding fast to us and will not let us go. Brothers and sisters, believe and have hope. Pray always and do not lose heart. Will not God grant justice to his chosen? You cry out to him day and night through him, you are forgiven, you are welcomed, you are loved. Let us rejoice together and give praise to the Lord. Let us hold fast that we may see God and be blessed. Holy One, we lift our eyes to you in hope and awe. Grant that we may reject all apathy of spirit, all impatience and anxiety, so that with the persistence of the widow, we may lift our voice again and again to seek your justice. Amen. Please join me in praying as the Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
the kingdom, kingdom come, thy will, will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. heaven. Give, us Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. But yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever.
start us off reading Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as rubbish so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith.
back wondering, am I working kids today? <laughs> That's the thought on everyone's face right now. Good morning again. Please, uh, please go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 18. We're going to read that passage again. I know Josh read it for us earlier. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, you can raise your hand. We'll, we'll get one to you. Uh, and you're welcome to keep that, so long as you will use it. We have been in a series for about two weeks now, asking the Lord to teach us how to pray. Teach us to pray. I started in this series just admitting some of my own struggles with prayer. Intellectual struggles, some of them. Uh, understanding what exactly we're doing. Uh, praying to a God who is omnipotent and already knows what it is that we need to feel. Um, and then, for me, even deeper emotional struggles, where I feel often unheard, unhelped, and unanswered, and oftentimes directionless. But Jesus assures his disciples over and over and over again, I guess because some of us need this assurance, that when we pray, God hears us. When we pray, God hears us. Every time we come to him, even if it's in the middle of the night, even if the need is small and relatively unimportant. Like a good father responding to an upset child, every time we come to him, he opens his door to us. Every time we knock. Every time we look for him, we find him. Because he wants to be found by us. In my care preach for us last week on choosing the best things, spending time with the Lord, thank you to him and thanks to all of you. Uh, 
my trip to go see my dad was so good. And speaking of spending time with our fathers, that, that trip was just time very well spent. And I know it was time I borrowed from each of you, and so thank you. This morning we're going to read a parable that for years I hated, honestly, the one that we read this morning. I hated this parable and did not understand it. And honestly, it's because I wasn't reading it in its context. So you have an opportunity this morning to learn from my mistakes. As we reread this passage, I'm going to read it with the rest of, most of the rest of the chapter. It's probably labeled in your Bible as the parable of the persistent widow. So Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 1. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I don't fear God or respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice, so that she won't beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them justice speedily. <coughs> Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. <clears throat> treated others with others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like these other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing afar off, would not even lift his eyes up to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. <coughs> but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now they were bringing even infants to him, that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, don't hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, All these I have kept since my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. See, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. 
For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, What is possible with men is impossible. Er, what is impossible with men is possible with God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me briefly. Oh, Father God, be with me this morning. Lord, help me to speak your truth from this scripture, Lord, because your truth will set us free and we desperately long to be free. God, this morning, please teach us how to pray. We pray this in Jesus' name. We know you hear us. Amen. Let's see if I make it through. persistent widow. The reason I didn't like that parable for a long time was because it makes God look bad. It's just like the one that we preached on uh, two weeks ago, the last time I preached. God, Jesus, compares the Lord to an unjust judge. And I, that tortured me. I, I hated that. I, I kept thinking, but God, God is just. He, he isn't like this judge that we need to pray to over and over again. And I, I remember Growing up, a lot of times people would tell me, well, maybe God didn't answer your prayer because you, you need to keep praying. You need to be persistent. You know, just like the widow in the parable. And I hated that too. <laughs> um, but honestly, looking at it now, I love this parable because even though we only have unjust judges in our world to compare God to, God himself is just. Even though in our world so often justice, especially for widows and those who are forgotten, is delayed, in God's kingdom it is not. Basically, through all of my struggles and anxieties, I'm letting y'all into my inner, inner thought life here with prayer. Basically, the topic of the sermon this morning is, is getting prayer wrong. Getting it wrong. How not to pray. Prayer is like asking questions. Uh, people tell you there are no stupid questions. Teachers, especially, we have a lot of teachers in the room. Teachers like to say that there are no stupid questions. Because asking questions is healthy, and teachers want to encourage curiosity. But we all know when teachers say this, they are lying. There are stupid questions. Have you ever been to a city council meeting? Open mics are a terrible thing. <laughs> There's always at least one guy who rants for like five minutes and then doesn't ask a question at all. You know, or they get to the end of it and they're like, well, so what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> um, <clears throat> there are stupid questions. <laughs> and you can get prayer wrong. As a pastor, I would love to tell you that there are no bad prayers. You know, just pray because like the teachers wanting to encourage the questions. I want to encourage prayer. But the truth is, in the Bible, there are several times that Jesus teaches against praying a certain way. And so that's what we're going to look at now. I had one friend in high school who told me she read the book of Thessalonians where Paul says to pray without ceasing. Uh, so she would start her day with a prayer. But she wouldn't say amen, you see. Because if she didn't say amen, then the prayer lasted throughout the day. Praying unceasingly accomplished. <laughs> I don't think that's what Paul means. <laughs> I have other friends who refuse to pray out loud because they don't want to pray the wrong way, and that I understand and commiserate with. It makes my skin crawl when I pray out loud, and I'm a pastor, so I don't know why God keeps calling me into such things. 
I have known many others who stopped praying altogether, even in their private life, because they were mad at God, or they just didn't have any words, usually after some kind of grief or loss. Or maybe they just kind of lost faith, and they felt like they didn't have enough faith, and so their prayer wouldn't work anyway, and so why bother? I've spent large portions of my life anxious about prayer, feeling like if I get it wrong, I'm going to let down all the people around me. Or if I pray the wrong way in front of them, that they'll think less of me. Or maybe I don't see a lot of the miraculous in my life because I don't pray with enough faith. So I'm going to ask this question. What does prayer do? What is the effect of prayer? And if there is a right and a wrong way how to pray, how do we avoid pitfalls and pray in ways which please the Lord? And what do we do when we feel like we don't have anything to pray for? So we'll start with the question, what, what, what is this effect of prayer? What does prayer do? And I admit to you last week, this is something that I have struggled with continually, intellectually. Understanding the purpose of bringing my needs and desires to a God who already knows what my needs and desires are. Why do I need to ask? What am I really doing here? In free churches, meaning those without a hierarchical structure, uh, Baptist, Pentecostal, ED free, that sort of thing. Um, that's the tradition we're in here in this church. In, in free churches, there is a lot of emphasis on praying with faith, praying with sincerity. If you pray with even a little bit of faith, Jesus says, you can move mountains. And he says again, if you pray with faith, you will receive whatever you ask. Praying with faith and being righteous, those are always emphasized. The righteousness comes from James' instruction that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful as is working. <coughs> our emphasis on praying with faith is good. Let me, let me say that. Our, my, our emphasis in our faith tradition of praying with faith is good, but we need to look carefully at what that faith looks like. We misunderstand what it means to have faith. Faith is not like money, where you acquire faith by doing good things for the Lord. And then you can spend your faith on miracles, or on luck, or on cars, or on a Rolexus, just a personal dream of mine. Faith is not a transaction. Faith is praying with an expectation that God hears you. And that God can do anything. And that he is good. I would encourage you to believe God hears you every time when you pray to him. Almost every time Jesus prays, he addresses God as Father. We talked about this last week. He's trying to teach us, yes, God is powerful enough to create and move mountains. But also, yes, he will listen to you. Why? He's not just God. He's also your Father. He wants to hear your every concern, and he wants to help you. I want to state this very clearly. The effect of prayer is that the Lord hears you, not that you are able to affect the world around you. In the Bible, that's called magic, and it's not talked of well. You should believe that the mountains might move, not because you are able to move them with your faith, but because God is able to do whatever he wills, and when you pray, he's the one who hears you. Going back to the analogy Jesus gives us of God being our Father, think about it this way. I, I think I've told this story before, but when I was a child, my father was the provost at a Christian college in Memphis. At his college, he had a lot of power. The provost is the one who hires and fires. I've told this story before, I know, but I, I remember one time trying to go see him at his office, and I got stopped 
um, when I first walked in the building by an administrative worker who asked me who I was and what I was doing there. Uh, I was in high school, so I'm sure I looked like a student or a prospective student. I think now of the disciples stopping the children from bothering Jesus as he was teaching. I told her, I, I told the lady who stopped me, and said, I, I'm going to see Dr. Brian. And she told me his afternoon was full and I would need to make an appointment. And I told her that he had asked me to come see him. And then I told her that I was his son. And the whole tenor of the conversation changed. She repeated the words, oh, you're his son. And she got up from her desk and she opened all the doors from that room that we were in until we got to his office. And when we got to his office, gladly she interrupted him in the middle of a sentence, in the middle of a meeting. And she said, your son is here to see you. That's what Jesus is trying to get us to believe about prayer. Prayer is an open door. Prayer is a welcomed interruption, interruption of the most powerful being in the universe. And a glad greeting. But do you know, with all of the power my, my dad held growing up at that college, whenever we did talk, which was pretty much every day, we didn't really talk about his work very much. Uh, we talked every day. We mostly talked about me. And those conversations shaped me as a person. That was his real goal. In those conversations, he was raising me. I feel a little self-absorbed saying that we usually talked about me, but I feel the same way when I tell you that most of my prayers are about me and my family and our small life and our church. But it's honestly what my father wanted to talk to me about. He didn't want to talk to me about work. One, because I didn't really understand his work. It took me years growing up to fully understand what it is he did with his days. If you had asked me when I was a little kid, I would have told you that he just typed on his typewriter all day long. Um, but I knew, I didn't know what he was doing with his days. I knew I could tell him. I knew he wanted me to tell him what I was doing with mine. In fact, he insisted that I tell him what I was doing with my days. He would ask every day how the day went and what I was working on and can I help and now we talk about education's role in the landscape of church work and Christian societal involvement, but only because I'm now trying to do some things in that space. We are still talking about my days. My point is this. God, our Father, doesn't really need your help upholding the universe with a word of power. <laughs> and when it comes to us, we don't really know how to do his job. If you were constantly praying to change the leadership of the country or the fabric of the universe, you'll probably be disappointed in a lot of your prayers. Just as a two-year-old who tries to run the household demanding whatever comes to his mind is often disappointed in his parents' responses. I don't need Noah's input on how or when to serve dinner. It does not stop him from giving input, but it does create a situation where he is often upset about my answer. Uh, but in my defense, I believe I know better when and how to give him what he needs. And honestly, I would have done the same without him asking. Prayer is more about shaping you than it is about shaping the world around you. It's more about getting time with the Creator, God, than it is about getting what you want from the world. Faith is vitally important to the Christian life. You should have faith that your Father wants to speak to you, and that He hears you when you do. 
Does he do miraculous things always and everywhere around us? Does he give us what we ask as often as he can and with delight? But we are so young, like small children, that we often don't know what it is that we are asking. And God's concerns are elsewhere. Don't throw a tantrum, friends. He will meet your needs in the right time. Hopefully understanding a bit more of the purpose of prayer can actually help us see clearly some of the wrong ways to pray. Prayer, again, it is not magic. It is not a wedding registry. I am going to get you something. Emily Post says I have one ear. But <laughs> uh, prayer is not a wedding registry. My kids always ask me for things when we are at the grocery store. Usually it is cars and it is candy. And I say no over and over again the whole time, putting in our cart the things that will nourish and strengthen them throughout the week that we And then sometimes I buy the candy. From the widow in this parable, we learn that prayer is a way of seeking justice. It is a way of changing the way that the world is, especially when everything on earth points in the opposite direction, especially when everything on earth would ignore our pleas. God will not. From the Pharisee and the rich young ruler, we ought to learn humility. Pray as though you are in need of God to do work in your life. Not as though the creator of heaven and earth needs your work that you do on the face of his earth that he created. From the tax collector, we learn that God hears us and he forgives us when we confess our sins. From the children, we learn that he welcomes us and he loves us. He wants that interruption. We aren't just children. We are his children. I want to shift now a little bit. I was joking with families. Like, I'm going to preach two sermons today, but we're not going to go over time, I promise you. I want to shift now. Now that we've talked about some of the wrong and right ways to pray, I want to talk about some things that I would call neutral signs. Neutral signs. These are things that we oftentimes get so anxious about because we feel like in our prayer lives this is really what matters, and they really just aren't. Eloquence does not matter. Eloquence does not matter, as, as Robin likes to say, rhetoric, right? It doesn't matter. You can pray beautiful prayers, or you can pray straight-to-the-point short prayers. It doesn't matter. In other words, God cares less about your words and more about what I'm going to call orientation. I'll explain what I mean by that in a little bit. I try to encourage people, if you have something to say to the Lord, just be real. Just be honest with God, and if you don't have anything to say, just be still and know that he is God. There's a lot of value in just being silenced with your body and your heart oriented towards the Lord. Jesus says specifically in the Sermon on the Mount, he, uh, he makes fun of pastors, just like me. Uh, he says, some pastors seem to think that if they talk for a really long time, that's going to get God to hear them. You ever been in that small group before? Yes. I know I have. Pastor's been praying for 15 minutes. Uh -huh. Yo, that's a sermon. Anything longer than 15 minutes is a sermon. You can call it prayer. But we know the truth. Uh, we play these games with each other in churches. If my daily Bible study time lasts 30 minutes and I announce that in church, then 
the next week, uh, Phil's will be 35 minutes, right? Because apparently that's how much time it takes to pray to get holy. Um, or we get together to pray, and if Adam prays for 10 minutes, I'm going to pray for at least five, right? Because apparently this is a prayer session where we're going to pray long prayers. Even if I have nothing to say. Actually, one of my favorite exercises to, to pray together with people is to ask people to pray in single sentences and then wait for someone else to speak before they speak again. Set an amount of time, say 30 minutes or an hour, and ask people to just go one sentence at a time like that because eloquence does not matter. The length of your prayer does not matter. These are neutral signs. Have you ever noticed in the Lord's Prayer that we read in Luke 11 and then again in Matthew 6 when Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray? It's just a couple sentences. It's a little short 10-second prayer. And it's not particularly eloquent. It's beautiful, but the beauty of it is that it is simple and humble. Father, please provide for me. Father, please forgive me. Father, please help me make it through this temptation. Eloquence doesn't matter. The length of the prayer doesn't matter. Another common misconception, another neutral sign. A person's status, a person's perceived righteousness does not matter. <coughs> another common misconception. Just status does not matter. My first ministry job, I was running the setup and greeting team and assimilation team for a church plant. <coughs> and one morning, this family walks in. I'm standing in the foyer. I, I shake their hand. I started a conversation, you know, we talked about where they're from for a little while, I asked them how they came to NOLA, and then I pointed out where the coffee was and, and told them, um, just, you know, great, glad you're here. My, uh, one of the pastors walked over a minute or two later, big old smile on his face, and he shook my hand, he tells me, it's like, wow, that was incredible what you just did. You didn't even blink an eye with him. Totally straight face, and I was just like blank staring back at him. What are you talking about? He goes, that's, that's Benjamin Watson. Still a blank stare from me. <laughs> I'm like, okay, he's, you said that like I should know who that is. If you're like me, I'll explain he's a football player and he was very good. Um, but my point is, the church should be a place where status does not matter. Because compared to the creator of the universe, we are small and broken. Lewis once told me that he only keeps coming to this church even though he constantly disagrees with me because I'm willing to mock on Friday. You don't need to know, you don't need to be important for your father to stop what he's doing. Whether you are an influencer or homeless or famous, if you are a child of God, he is going to listen to you when you pray as if you were the only person in the room. Imagine the God of the universe stopping what he's doing to bend down to your eye level and hear what it is you have to say. Eloquence does not matter. Length of prayer does not matter. Your status does not matter. And lastly, there is no special formula to get God to hear you. There is no special formula to get God to hear you. Because he's already paying attention to you. You don't need to know a special dance or a special prayer. You don't have to say God a lot or Jesus' name. That's not what it means when it, the Bible says there's power in Jesus' name. Prayers don't always start with dear God. They don't always end with in Jesus' name, amen. You don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to bow. 
You don't have to memorize specific prayers or passages or verses, and you don't have to feel a certain way when you pray. That's a sermon that's coming. We'll talk more about all of those things. There's value to all of these things, and there are reasons why they become common. But every time you knock, God is going to open the door. You can pray while you drive. Please don't close your eyes for that prayer. You can pray in fits and starts on a run, or when you're working, or in the split seconds in which you have to make some big decision, or when you are in a cast and you cannot run. Jess, I'm sorry. You can even pray about things that happened in the past, because to God they are still present. There is no magic formula. Again, the reason I'm going through all of these neutral signs, I'm trying to help you benefit from my mistakes. I'm trying to help you be less anxious when you pray. That you don't have to have the right posture. You don't have to say the right words. All of these things are neutral signs. You're not going to make some small mistake, and then God won't listen to you. And I'm sorry to tell you, and I know this is a bit maybe disappointing to some, but there is not something that you can do enough. You cannot pray for long enough. You cannot have enough faith to always make God do what you say in the world. That's just not your role with him. What Jesus is teaching in this passage is less about posture, or saying the right words, or praying for a long time. None of that matters. But I said before, God does care about you and your orientation. So now I want to tell you what I mean by that. I, I know I've preached on this before, but your, your orientation has to do with your faith, your hope, your desire, and, and where it's pointed. The word orientation refers to a church practice in the Middle Ages. Uh, churches would do everything facing east. They would build the cathedrals to have the congregation facing east. They would plot their cemeteries with every grave facing east. So when you knelt to pray in a church, or when you lifted your voice in song, or when you heard the word of God proclaimed, or even when you were buried, everything was coming from the east. Because the Bible, throughout, most powerful in the book Isaiah, compares the coming of the kingdom of God to the rising of the sun, and says, just as surely as the sun will rise in the east, Christ will return and rescue his children. Just as dramatic as darkness breaking into day, Will the change be when God's kingdom breaks into our world and renews it? As C.S. Lewis writes, I believe in God as I believe in the Son, not just because I see him, but because by him I see everything else. Churches built everything facing east to teach their people where their hope was to be found, where to look for help, where to look for truth, where to place your faith for real change in the world. It's in Christ and his coming kingdom. And in nowhere else, we are meant to live in the light of that expectation. We are meant to live and move and have our being facing towards the rising sun. <clears throat> facing towards the kingdom of God. Prayer has more to do with your orientation than it has to do with your method. Don't worry about whether or not I was impressed <clears throat> as your pastor with what you said just now. Or if you got the posture right, or if you prayed for long enough, if you said the right things. Instead, ask yourself, truly and honestly, where do you look for help? Where does your help come from? As the psalm asks, what are you hoping for? Where, honestly, is your faith for change 
in the world. My invitation to you this morning is to orient yourself toward the coming of the kingdom of God and to pray in faith, believing that God hears you and that he is able to do anything, even more that you have asked of him, even more than you have dreamed to ask of him. God is able to do that in your life and in others, in our society, in our world. There is always hope in Christ for the change that needs to happen in yourself and in the world. Stop worrying about whether or not you're praying correctly and just pray. If you don't have words, be silent. If you don't have faith, say that to God. If you aren't able to pray with sincerity and your prayer life is cold and empty, I would encourage you to borrow other people's prayers and songs. As I did in my first sermon, I want to use the time of response to pray as God is teaching us, showing us to pray this morning. And so, in response this morning, I hope you'll join me in silence this morning for a time. And then I'm going to pray just a few short sentence prayers to lead us this morning before the throne of God. But it is God, our Father, and so we can interrupt him. Pray with me. trust that you are good. God, I need help because I am not okay and there is too much for me to carry. God, thank you for always listening when I pray. No one else in my life gives me that kind of Access. God, I pray that you would give each of us what we need this week as we go about our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name so we know you hear us. Amen. Oh, 
you definitely do whatever you can to like, like sanitize it and keep it and sanitary. Because I got a dry sock on the days, and that is me. I've heard that. No straws. Yes, yes, no straws. Yeah, do exactly what they tell you. Yeah. 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 Like, if they say, don't do this for somebody, yeah. they just don't do it. That's right.
interesting. All the way down St. Charles to where it stops. Kind of that